Are you feeling stuck or are you unstoppable? Are you tired of creating incremental growth in your business while really wanting to make quantum leaps? Well then welcome, you found the right place to be fed. This is Susan, the founder of Unstoppable Women in Business and this podcast is for women entrepreneurs, coaches, consultants, anyone who is unwaveringly focused on finding the best path to success in their business. While you're here, you're gonna be asked to think differently to get different results, to do things that are challenging, but oh, so rewarding. So come on, let's get started. Hello, ladies. Ooh, today is an exciting day. I have got a special episode for you today. Here's the thing. After coaching women business owners for several years now, I think back and I cannot remember one time, not once, when any one of them said that the reason they went into business was because they had a burning desire to become a professional salesperson. No one. Nada. Not once. Rather, what I usually hear when I ask why they're in business is that there is something that they are really good at and they had a passion for building a business around it. They dreamed of what it would be like to have a successful business, doing what they love and what they're good at every day. They really want to put something out into the world that people really need. But then there's that moment when it hits them hard. The moment they figure out if they don't get good at sales, they won't have a business because sales is the heartbeat of everyone's business. And this is exactly who I wrote the book for. Oh shit, I'm in sales? The book is meant to be an entrepreneur's guide to making sales their BFF because here's the bottom line. When we like something, we do it often. And when we do something often, we get pretty good at it. And don't you want to have that kind of a relationship with the most important aspect of your business? So today, I'm going to introduce you to the first chapters of, oh shit, I'm in sales, so you can get a taste of what it's all about. It's a good book. It's a pretty good book and a fun read, but there is some really good stuff in there also, a process to help you move from where you are to where you want to go when it comes to selling. If you enjoy what you hear during this podcast episode, and you're listening before November 8th, 2021, I'd love to invite you to buy the book on that day because you're going to find it on sale on Amazon, the ebook version for only 99 cents. I won't lie. This is being done in an effort to hit the Amazon bestseller list on that day. So if you are so inclined to be part of that effort, please do so. You'll find the link to the book page in the show notes at unstoppablewomeninbusiness.com slash podcast. Until then, I really hope that you enjoy these chapters. And let me know what you think by rating this episode and leaving some comments for me. Thank you so much, guys. I really appreciate it. This book was written with you in mind. So I hope you connect with it. Here we go. Introduction. Most women whom I work with definitely did not go into business so they could become professional salespeople. None of them woke up one day and said to themselves, my life would be complete if only I could 
have the chance to convince someone that they need to buy something from me? And wouldn't it be great to spend most of my days thinking of ways that I could get strangers to want to solve a problem they didn't really know they had? Yep, that would be awesome. (laughs) If you're someone who had this dream, I haven't met you yet. And to be completely honest, you can stop reading this book. You most likely don't need it. Becoming really good at sales is more often than not an afterthought for women who are super excited about starting their own business. Now, everyone has their own reasons when it comes to why they are self-employed, but most involve the fact that they are really good at something and want to help others get good at it too. There is something they're passionate about, something they've figured out over the years and have some sense of pride knowing they have expertise in this area. Then one day, this little seed of a thought forms in their mind about how cool it would be to spend all their time doing this thing for a living. They dream of making money doing it, that's for sure, but rarely does the thought of how they will make that money enter into their minds. If it does, They've watched or listened to some online guru tell them that all they have to do is put it out there and they will buy. Kind of like Kevin Costner in Field of Dreams. Build it and they will come. Let's take life coaches as an example. Your traditional life coach has most likely done a lot of self-development work. At one point in their life, they found themselves deeply unhappy about some aspect of their life. Maybe it was over a relationship. Maybe it was over money. Sometime in their life, they felt that something was lacking and they were not quite fulfilled. So they went on a journey to successfully improve their life. They most likely hired a coach who was amazing and helped them through a process that yielded great results. The transformation wasn't easy. But the exhilaration of having their life transformed created a renewed sense of purpose for them. Every day, as they walk through life experiencing a completely new way of living, they say to themselves, I can't believe how great I feel, and I have got to help other people feel the same way. Another example might be a woman in a dull job, working for a company where she enjoys what she does. She's very good at it but she feels somewhat unfulfilled. Day in and day out, she goes to work to make someone else money. Maybe she isn't respected the way she would like to be. Maybe she just doesn't respect the people around her or the values of the company she works for. But there is something nagging at her deep inside that causes her to think, hey, I could be doing this for myself in my own business instead of putting money into the pockets of other people. I'm going to start my own business. There are millions of scenarios about why women want to build their own empire, but none of them started because that voice inside of her was saying, I can't wait to go out there and sell myself. Can I get an amen here, lady? That brings us to how the idea for, oh shit, I'm in sales, was born. As a sales coach and business strategist, I have witnessed 
many of these moments of awakening for my clients and for women that I meet when networking. That painful moment when an entrepreneur realizes that to achieve the goal of becoming a successful business owner, they have to become a successful salesperson. Yep, this is the oh shit moment that hits them squarely between the eyes and the fear and dread start to bubble up in their gut. They realize they have gotten themselves into a pickle. To be successful at their dream, they have to learn to love the one thing they never thought they would ever have to do, sell. This is the make it or break it moment for most entrepreneurs. If they could visualize a road that forks, not once, but three times, leaving three different paths they could choose to go down, that's where they are, right at that junction in the road of sales. If they choose the first path, they stay in fear, dread, and avoidance of sales, and eventually their business will wither and die. The second path is where they dig in their heels and work like heck to figure out how to do sales. And while this path is leading them closer to running a successful business, it's still a tough road to follow. While they're going through the motions, doing all the things they need to do to generate revenue, they're still in resistance and it's an uphill climb that can be tiring and only yield sporadic results. But the third path is the choice that leads them toward embracing the fact that sales can be fun and that they don't have to resist or avoid it. They can make sales their BFF and watch their business soar. I consider it my job in this book to help you understand exactly how easy it is to choose that third path and never look back again. Whether you would classify your current relationship with sales as toxic or just passing friends, this book will help you understand why you want sales to be your new BFF and how you can get there. We're going to take a journey together that will be interesting and hopefully fun for you. First, we're going to dive into what I really mean when I say you have to make sales your new BFF. Whenever there is a problem to solve, and believe me, if you don't enjoy selling, you do have a problem, gaining an awareness and deep understanding of what the problem is and where it comes from is the first step to solving it. After that, I'm going to introduce how to not only enjoy selling, but will do it by teaching you a repeatable process that will help you create a completely new perspective around sales. My desire for you is to use this process for the rest of your life. We will call it your automatic attitude adjustment tool. You will have it in your back pocket and think of me each time you find yourself in a situation where you have fallen back into old ways of thinking about sales. You will pull it out, work through the steps, and get back on track in a heartbeat. Along the way, I will share stories of other women who are recovering sales haters. We will talk about where they started, what they did to shift their perspective of sales, and the results they got once they successfully followed that third path. What I've learned from my over 15 years of being involved in sales training is this. People learn best from each other. I can transfer information to you, 
And that's another way of saying teach. But the learning actually happens when it is set into context that makes sense to you. Something you can really resonate with. So I've got lots of those examples for you in this book as well. Learning to get comfortable with selling can actually be fun. Trust me, I got you on this one. Let's get started. Chapter 1, Making Sales Your BFF One night, a casual acquaintance of mine, someone who I knew from a women's group I was a member of, called and asked if I was interested in coming to a wine tasting in her home that upcoming Friday night. Because I had no life at the time, I hesitated for about a tenth of a second and said, sure, what time? I'm not someone you would think of as a wallflower, so it didn't bother me to think about the fact that I wouldn't really know anyone there. I generally talk to anyone, and especially if it was about one of my favorite subjects, wine. Little did I know that this was the beginning of an amazing relationship with a group of eight women that has lasted for more than 20 years. As we mixed and mingled with each other that first night and were treated to a guided wine tasting experience that the hostess put together, it was almost like seeing the individual stars in the sky start to swirl into a pattern and become the cosmos. By the end of that night, we all decided that we had had so much fun that we wanted to do it again. We decided to meet monthly and rotate the hosting responsibilities. This meant that each month, someone would organize the wine tasting, naming the varietal that everyone would bring to sample, then act as master of ceremonies as each person presented their bottle. Of course, there was food involved, lots of food, and man, can these Southern women cook. We called ourselves the whiny women and decided to meet on the first Friday of every month no excuses, to learn more about wine and each other. We took this commitment to each other seriously. If someone said they couldn't make it to one of our gatherings because of another commitment, we would say collectively, what part of First Friday do you not understand? In the beginning, we were very serious about following wine tasting protocols, changing glasses between the reds and whites, reading the wine notes, and scoring the wines on the bouquet, legs, and mouthfeel of each wine we tasted. But it didn't take long before we were enjoying each other's company as much as, or more than, the actual wine itself. We went deep in our conversations getting to know one another at a soul-enriching level. As the years went by, we got to know what made each one of us tick. We laughed and cried and would do anything to help each other out. We even started to meet outside of our first Friday gatherings. We traveled places, went on vacations to Napa and other destinations, and generally had a ball in what we called doing life together. The best part is that because we got to know one another at such a deep level, we felt safe and had a craving to spend more time in one another's company because that's what BFFs do, right? Relationship Building 101. So by this point in my story, you may be saying, um, Susan, what does your whiny women group have to do with this book? Oh girl, there is a connection. 
And it's all about what it takes to build a relationship. Follow me here for just one minute, and it will all begin to be very clear to you. When it comes down to it, relationships are formed in your mind. Here is an example of how that works. Have you ever met someone and taken an immediate dislike to them? You know what I mean, right? Your initial thought, I call this your spidey sense. It might have been that they just weren't your cup of tea. Then, after spending a little time together, you find that they are different from you first imagined. And you slowly begin to change your opinion. And before you know it, you find that you really enjoy hanging out with them. Am I the only one? I think not. This happens to people all the time. But the question is, what changed? The person hasn't changed. You haven't changed. What has changed is all in your head. Your thoughts about them have changed. As you start thinking about who you think they are, quite often you start feeling more connected and open to becoming friends. Again, I have to reiterate, nothing really changes except your thoughts about them. Hence, evidence for my statement that relationships reside in your brain. And that brings us to your relationship with sales. When I say it that way, you almost imagine a tall, dark, handsome man standing in front of you named sales. But no, your relationship with sales is an internal relationship. It's a relationship that resides within the part of you that has sales responsibilities. It's your thoughts about who you are in relationship to selling. It's the most intimate relationship you can have because it is within yourself. But it can be a relationship filled with animosity and loathing. It's really bizarre. It always starts with you. There are so many facets of you as a person. You might be a mom. You are definitely a business person. You may be someone's friend or maybe their partner. You can be a daughter and maybe even someone's sister. You play so many roles in your life. And the interesting thing is that you have very specific thoughts about yourself in each and every one of those roles. The part of you that is responsible for generating revenue, in other words, selling, is just one of the many facets of you. So here is the bottom line. When you are at war with selling for your business, you are at war with yourself. And woman, that does not feel good at all. Not only does it feel horrible rejecting an essential part of you that has important responsibilities, but the ramifications are also debilitating to your business. Small businesses are notorious for falling like dominoes within the first five years of opening their proverbial doors. Why? Lack of sufficient cash flow. The money coming in doesn't cover the overhead and salary needed to keep the business going. We've all seen this scenario play out. Someone tells us about their new business idea. They're flush with excitement and enthusiasm, getting everything set up the website, the branding, their programs or products, so much fun. But within a couple of years, 
They are worn out and beaten down. And the next thing you hear, they've gone back into corporate to get a J-O-B. There can be a lot of reasons that a business goes under. But more often than not, it is because of cash flow issues. The underlying culprit usually is that mama didn't learn how to make friends with sales. Most likely, she ignored the important activities in her business, sales, swept them under the rug, put them at the bottom of her to-do list day after day. Oh, she thinks she tried. She bought lots of courses. Maybe she even worked with a coach to help her learn how to sell. But at the end of the day, she just wasn't comfortable selling. She stayed on that proverbial first path on the sales road, the one that kept her in a place where she stayed in fear, dread, and avoidance of sales. When I sense that a client is deeply dug into this path, I worry for them. I have to work with them to understand that they have no choice but to go make a U-turn and get back to that fork in the road choose the path that takes them toward making friends with sales. And I help them get there using the tools you'll read about in this book. I'm always so grateful that they were courageous enough to do the work in time to save their businesses and themselves from a lot of heartache. The way I think about it is this. Most women business owners' relationship with sales is more like a frenemy than a BFF. Remember my story about how I became BFFs with my whiny women? We spent time together, did things we enjoyed, took time to get to know each other well, and stood up for each other because we cared and respected each other. That, my friend, is the key to making sales your BFF. The first thing you will want to do is perform a complete attitude adjustment on the way you look at the part of you that sells. No more saying you feel sleazy or pushy. Stop thinking of yourself as selfish and money-grubbing. Stop it. Oh my gosh, I just cracked myself up. Every time I hear or think of the phrase, stop it, and it's always in capital letters in my mind because I am shouting it, I think of the Bob Newhart show. Bob, in real life, was a comedian, but on this show... He played a therapist and had a great sense of humor, very dry and witty. Okay, I know a lot of you are too young to remember this show. It was on television in the 80s, which I know is probably before many of you were born. But do yourself a favor, go to YouTube and type Stop It and Bob Newhart into the search bar. You will see a clip of exactly what I'm talking about. It's hysterical. For those of you who don't want to take the time to do that, though, I will give you a quick synopsis of the scene that I'm talking about. Bob has a client in his office, and she tells him she is afraid of the thoughts she has about being buried alive. As a therapist will do, Bob listens, asks her questions, and gets a good sense for the angst this woman is feeling because of her fear of small spaces. Then Bob says the solution is simple. He has two words for her, and they are, stop it, just stop it. (laughs) If you watch the clip, you'll be laughing just as the fake audience was laughing. His timing and delivery are perfect, but 
that's not the real reason you laugh. The real laughter comes from the fact that his advice is ludicrous, as if it was just that easy to change the way you are thinking about something by saying to yourself, just stop it. A majority of our problems would be solved. Okay, let me land this plane by telling you a story about a client of mine. The story is true, but the name has been changed to protect the innocent. Relationship Reality Check Kathy was a member of the Success Collaborative, a group coaching program that I run that also includes one-on-one time with me. It was a Friday afternoon, and we were having an urgent spot coaching session that she had popped into my calendar. I put on the call with her and asked, Hey, Kath, what's up? How can I support you? Kathy went into a diatribe about a prospect who is not returning her call. She was certain that the reason was that the prospect thought she was pushy and too expensive. Kathy continued to project verbal vomit at me for a minute or two, after which I told her to take a breath, slow down, and tell me the backstory. Once she settled down a little bit, shook off the emotional weighted blanket she had thrown over her shoulders, and started to relate the facts of the situation, it became very clear to me what was happening. Kathy had conducted a sales consult with a prospect earlier in the week. She got super excited because throughout the call, she could tell that this person was her ideal client and she could really help them. At the end of the call, she made her offer and the prospective client said she needed to think about it a couple of days and would call Kathy back before the end of the week. Kathy said fine and hung up, feeling a little frustrated, but very optimistic. Ugh, I think. Have I not taught you anything, girl? Fast forward to Friday afternoon. No call from the potential client. Shocker. Kathy doesn't know what to do next. She doesn't want to call her to bug her. She has all of these thoughts running through her mind about how she is a fraud and who does she think she is anyway. She's too expensive. The person thought she was being pushy and just wanted to grab her money. She literally said, I hate sales. Why can't I find someone to sell for me? And I'll just do what I do best. Coach. Whoa, Nellie. What? How did she go from thoughts like the consult went well to those thoughts about being a failure at sales? How did that happen? Now, the simple thing would have been to tell Kathy to, come on, let's say it together, stop it, just stop it. (laughs) But unfortunately, like with Bob's patience, it was never that easy. She may have agreed that she was overreacting and given it a good college try to stop thinking the way she was, but it would pass quickly and she would head back down the same path in no time at all. Until Kathy truly embraced and showed up in every step of the sales process as someone who is confident and actually liked what she was doing, she was going to continue to experience those stress-inducing, wine-guzzling, Oreo snarfing moments of feeling like a fraud and a failure. And frankly, that was not going to happen. Not on my watch. Don't make it harder than it has to be. Making sales your BFF is not hard, but it is a process and it requires some work, just like my journey with the whiny women. You may start out as strangers 
But over time, as you learn how to spend time together, having some fun, get to know each other at a deeper level, and find a rhythm of how the relationship will work, you will find that selling can become easy and enjoyable. But not to be accused of getting all rose-colored glasses Pollyanna on you, let me just stay real. As in any friendship, there will always be times when things get rocky. You may not feel like spending time together. You may have little squabbles. But what the heck? Does any friendship go smoothly all of the time? Heck no. But what we know more than anything else is that any friend worth having as your BFF is worth fighting for. Great relationships don't just happen. They're cultivated and nurtured with compassion and caring. And that's what the salesperson inside of you needs. A BFF who is willing to be by their side no matter what. You want to become each other's ride or die. So let's figure out where this whole frenemy thing with sales comes from in the first place. Everyone knows the first step to solving any issue is to admit there's a problem. And that is part of the discovery work you do to figure out where the problem came from. I'll meet you in the next chapter. Hey there, lady. What are you doing? We need to get to know each other better. Come on over and visit me at www.unstoppablewomeninbusiness.com and check it out. I've got so much good stuff over there for you and I would love to get to know you better. So come on, come on over. Let's hang out.